Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew today. The book of Matthew, chapter 22, as we continue our study on the disciples' journey, Matthew chapter 22. We'll pick up reading that passage in just a moment. When we were in seminary, Kelly got a job with an architect, and uh, she was one of their assistants, the administrative assistant to that uh, architectural firm, and uh, I found this out about her. We had only been married a couple of years, that, that whenever they gave her a job to do, she wanted to know why. So she finally went to them and said, guys, you got to tell me, don't just tell me to do this. I'll do it, but you got to let me know why. And she found that once she understood the why, even though it was a simple task, it made it much, much easier for her to do that task. And a lot of us are that way. We want to know the why before we tackle any project, any, any job. What we're going to do this morning is look at the why. Why we as a congregation are doing what we're doing. We're working our way through the disciples' journey Last time we looked at uh, the lessons on assurance, we start today looking at lessons on connecting and then ultimately we look at lessons on reaching. But today we, we land on this key, couple of key pivotal scriptures in the New Testament as Jesus lets his disciples know what really is important. Would you look with me at Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. I'm sorry, let's go to verse 36. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to them, this is Jesus answering this accusation, this question. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now they asked Jesus that question to trip him up. How's he going to answer this if we ask him the most important commandment? And he lets them know, it's clear, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbors yourself. And he says, all the law and the prophets, the scriptures up to that point, all of the scriptures hang on these two statements. It's cliff notes to the Old Testament. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor. Hold that place there and look at chapter 28 of Matthew. We just read what's known as the great commandment. Now let's look at the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. After Jesus says he's given them all authority, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now the Great Commandment is love the Lord, love your neighbor. The Great Commission is go make disciples. And we have taken our church mission statement and based it on the great commandment and the great commission. So I want to just look at this, uh, this um, visual of what we're doing. And we, we've looked at this before. It's in the back of your notes, I think, right there. But we said, number one, we're talking about a strategy moving from left to right. The first thing is we want people to understand, Jesus said the first thing you need to do is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And then the second thing that we move to, and this is strategic progression, is once you've come to that point of loving the Lord, you need to connect with others. This is our mission statement. Love the Lord, love your neighbors yourself, connect with others. And then thirdly, we go to the Great Commission, which is reach our world. 
So there's our mission statement. If you haven't learned it by now, you've been under a rock somewhere, I guess, if you've been around. Somebody told me, if you've been under a bucket, and I didn't know what he was talking about. He was, he was saying, you need to pay attention. So get out from under the bucket. This is our mission statement. We want to lead people to love God, connect with others, and reach our world. Now, not only is that our mission statement, that is our process also. And that's what we're doing today. We're letting you know of how important this process is in the life of our church. Every person who comes to Coastal Oaks Church, we want to go through these lessons. We want, to, to, we want them to hear, see, understand what I'm teaching you today. And this is the first of several in lessons on connecting. So let's talk about the first lesson, motivation. What is our purpose? Why are we doing what we're doing? Again, it's based on the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So number one, we're going to seek here to follow the Great Commandment. And number one is what? Love God. That's an easy blank to fill in, isn't it? Love God. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's just Jesus' way of trying to drive it home. Everything in you is to love the Lord with everything you have. With everything you have. Five things that we want to lead each person to do. When we think about this first part of our mission statement, our strategy, we want to be leading people into a love relationship with God through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, that's where it all starts. We want to lead people into a love relationship with God through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't have to say it that way. He lived it. His message of his life was, I came to give my life a ransom for you. But when they asked him to, to say what's most important, he said this, love the Lord with all your heart. And that starts with a love relationship with God through personal faith through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can come to this church week after week after week and hear the message week after week after week, but the key is for you to respond to the message. Several years ago, we had a young man visiting our church, and he came week after week after week, and he heard me present the gospel very clearly, I think, I thought. And at the end of the, uh, the service, I did then like I do now. I extend a, an invitation, a time of commitment to come and give your heart to Christ, and he never did. And I knew that he didn't know the Lord and had talked with him a little bit, and I'm just, come on, nothing. But I watched him every week. He'd come and sit. And I think it was a Sunday afternoon. We were at Walmart. It may have been a Sunday morning, even before church. I'm not sure. We were, he was walking into Walmart, and I'd gone for last-minute Tic Tacs. And you all would be glad that I get those every Sunday morning, Okay. And I met him in the parking lot, and we're walking up to the deal, and, and he finally said, you know, I've, I've, I've never done that. And I'm thinking, why not? And I didn't say it out loud that way, but I communicated with him, why not? And I don't know. I said, you know what? You want to do that? Yeah, I want to do that. So standing there at the Walmart, the old Walmart, I think, he prayed and invited Christ into his life and was saved at Walmart. Now, I wish it happened here, but that reminds me that people can come week after week after week after week and never be led to that commitment. We don't want to take it for granted that just because they're here and listening, they're going to become a Christian. Like Keith Green used to say, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Any more than going to church makes you a Christian. Just being here wasn't enough. We wanted to lead him. into. That was funny, I hope. I, that was a joke. <laughs> say, man, you can't believe what this pastor thinks. He's really out there. We want to lead people in that love relationship. Secondly, we want to lead people to complete the lessons on assurance. We don't want to take for granted that they understood. We, remember, we looked at the lessons of assurance. We just finished it. Lessons, we talked about assurance of salvation, assurance of answered prayer, assurance of God's guidance, assurance of victory over sin, assurance of 
forgiveness, all of those. We want every person not only to know Christ, but to go through those lessons to understand it. The third thing, we want to lead people, lead believers, those who've trusted Christ, believers, to profess publicly, to publicly profess their faith through believers' baptism by immersion. We want to lead new believers to publicly profess their faith through believers' baptism by immersion. Not just to walk an aisle, not just to fill out a card saying, yeah, I prayed a prayer, not just to make a commitment in a small group, but to publicly be baptized by immersion. And we, we believe immersion is biblical. It tells the story of the gospel that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. We lower the person in the water and raise them up. It also tells what happened to that person when they accepted Christ. Their old life was buried, put to death, and raised to new life. Then we want that picture to be out there. That's a testimony. So I want every person who comes to this place eventually to come to faith in Christ, to publicly profess it to the congregation. Fourthly, we want to encourage every believer to spend time with God through prayer and Bible reading. As the staff looked through this process that we were talking about and we did some brainstorming and feedback, they said, you know what, if we're gonna just kind of start with the basics, we ought to encourage everybody, not just that they need to know the Lord, not just they need to make it public, but encourage them to daily spend time in the word and in prayer. So we're gonna encourage people as they think about moving through this process. Are you doing that every day? Are you doing that every day? Are you doing that every day? Spend time in the word. Doesn't have to be a lot. Spending time in prayer. Someone said, men do not decide their future, they decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. Well, there's a good habit to get into. That'll decide your future. And the last thing we want to do as we think about loving God, we want to encourage every person to attend worship regularly. Encourage every person to attend worship regularly. So we, just if you're walking a person through from left to right, from love God all the way to connect with others, reach our world, just the beginning point, we want everybody to at least do those things. Those are some essential things. Now that attending worship regularly is important. Worship is a reminder. You like reminders? I need reminders. I have reminders on my computer and reminders on my cell phone. Um, I have reminders in the cloud. Not in the clouds, but on the cloud. That's, that's, I don't know where that goes. Does anybody know where that goes? It's out there. But, but, but they come to me and say, Kevin, don't forget. Let the dog out, take out the trash, those kinds of things. I have reminders, more, more important ones, definitely, that pop up on my computer. They're there because they're priorities to me, and I don't want to forget those priorities. Weekly worship is a reminder. Think of it as God saying, reminder, I'm God and you're not. Now, you go out there and you do your thing all week, which a lot of us do, and even though we love the Lord, our focus gets distorted and, and fuzzy, and every week we come together and we hear the choir, and we get to be involved in the worship with the worship team, and get to hear great preaching. Okay. And it's a reminder that God's God and we're not. Weekly. The next part of the great commandment is connecting with others. Connecting with others, number two. Again, we're looking at Matthew 22. He said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love others, very simply. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity means community. Christianity means community. So important. There are people who say you can worship the Lord on a mountaintop. You don't need to go to church. That's partly true. You can worship the Lord on the Frio River. By the way, this weather you're having today, 
We had it almost all last week up there. So we, we brought it back with us. Aren't you glad? I was thinking about y'all. They're down there sweating in that humidity and rock point. We're just up here. Oh, we had to put a jacket on. It's wonderful. We worship the Lord up there on the riverbank. And I've heard people tell me, Pastor, that's all I need. Well, you know what? That's not all you need. Community is essential to the Christian life. God designed us to be communal. He designed us to, to interact with one another. So we want to encourage every person, first of all, letter A, to connect to a connection class or a grace group. Connection class is a Sunday morning Bible study where we meet in different rooms all over this place. One class meets here, some over there, all the, where we study the Bible, practical application of the Word of God. That's connection class, smaller group, and to connect or connect with a grace group, which is a small group of people that meets in a home. We have grace groups that meet all during the week. In those grace groups, we take the pastor's sermon and we ask questions about it. We apply it to our lives. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. Small group setting. That's where connection happens. That is so essential. You know that you can come to church week after week after week after week after week and be faithful to attend week after week after week and then quit coming and you might not even be missed. It happens all the time. All the time. Why did that happen? Because there was no connection with somebody other than this big group. Connecting with a small group. Let me ask you this question. Those of you who've been involved in Grace Group, our small group ministry, or Connection Class, how many of you have been ministered to by your Grace Group or Connection Class? Raise your hand. Okay, all over this room. Now, I can promise you, and I know this, that a lot of that ministry would never have taken place had you not been in that small group. A lot of what goes on in this church, I have no idea what's going on and I'm supposed to be the leader why because we've commissioned our small group leaders our grace group leaders to minister to one another that's so important that connection we want everybody to be connected letter B we want to encourage every person to complete the lessons on connecting Isn't that genius we're talking about connecting so we're calling these lessons on connecting today we're talking about motivation Next week, we'll talk about expectations of church members. Then we talk about the organization and our affiliations and connections and our ultimate destination. We're going to present this whole package of ministry, potential, process of discipleship in those lessons on connecting. So you're in the first of those several lessons. And then we want to lead every Christ follower, every person who makes a commitment to Christ to make a commitment to church membership. We want to lead every Christ follower to make a commitment to church membership because connecting is so important. I think it's Rick Warren who said, I ought to look this up because I say I think every time I use this quote. I didn't just say I've always thought. How's that? I've always thought that a commitment to Christ is how you become a Christian and a commitment to other Christians is how you become a church member. I like that. See, you think about becoming a church member, oh, my name's on a membership roll, and they've got my, that's where I send my tithe, and that's where uh, if I die, there'll be somebody there to bury me and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. To be a church member is to say, I'm going to make a commitment to this group of people who gather here, that I'll be there for you because I know you're going to be there for me. It's a covenant. It's a commitment that we make. We want to encourage every person to make that commitment. I read this week about a ranger station in the floor of the Grand Canyon. I'm not sure which canyon where it is, but there's a ranger station, and the ranger and his wife live there, and they have a room in their home. They call it the sports room, and it is full of stuff, brand new, shiny, expensive hiking boots, fancy hats, binoculars, cameras, expensive backpacks, 
Nice walking sticks, they just end up there at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Here's what the ranger at that house, at that ranger station says. He says, all these folks were able to carry this stuff down here, but they're not willing to carry it back out. I thought, think about church membership this way. We're not only asking you to walk down, we're asking you to carry the backpack out. We're asking you to, as the Bible says, take up one another's burdens, carry one another's burdens. That church membership is more than just, yeah, I signed up, there's my stuff, you know, send me the records, blah, blah, blah. It is, here I am, load up my pack, I'm ready to go. I'll carry it out. So we've talked about the great commandment, love God, connect with others. Now the great commission, number two. Seek, we're going to seek to fulfill the great commission, and that is reach our world. Reach our world. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. That is the great commission. Not just win people, not just baptize them, not just teach them, but make disciples. Hold that place and look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We've adopted this as our Acts 1-8 challenge here at Coastal Oaks, our mission strategy, but I want you to look at it with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is another part of that commission Jesus made to his church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. That's, that's what Jesus said to them. That is our strategy, our mission strategy. We want to reach people in our Jerusalem, Rockport, Fulton. Now it's Ingleside and Aransas Pass in Portland, and I'm not sure how far out we go now. We want to reach people in this community. That's our Jerusalem. Our Judea is our state, the state of Texas. Last month, we've received a love offering for our Reach Texas offering, and we're in the process of planting churches through that ministry. We want to reach our Samaria, which is the United States. We are involved in a church plant in Cheyenne, Wyoming right now, LifePoint Church, and a vibrant, growing congregation there. So we're involved in reaching our nation, and then ultimately to the ends of the earth, as Jesus said in Acts chapter 1-8, reaching the world. We're we're involved in mission trips all over the place. I name them all, Honduras and Guatemala and Haiti and Thailand and um, France now. Yeah, all over the place. We've got people connected. That's our mission statement. So how do we lead people to that point to be involved in that? Here's how we do it. We want to encourage every Christ follower to complete the lessons on reaching. The lessons on reaching. Those lessons are similar to the lessons on assurance and lessons on connecting but they will go to the point of helping a person understand their giftedness and their temperament and their passion. In other words, how, how has God gifted me with a ministry gift to do ministry? What is my temperament? How has he wired me? You know, everybody's not like you. Everybody's not like me. I said one time, I wish everybody were like me, and everybody laughed. I think they laughed because my wife went, oh, no. Um, and our, our, we put that together with our passion for ministry. We want every person to know that. So Lessons on Reaching will do that. If you don't know your ministry gift or what your temperament is, you probably already know what your passion is. We want to help you discover that. We had one of our ladies several years ago our, when our church relocated from the smaller building over there that's now our preschool area over to the gym. We needed to relocate our nursery, and she just had this, this excitement about, oh, man, I'll get in there, and I'll get the nursery going. And so we remodeled some rooms over there, and she kicked off the, the ministry and got things going, and after a while realized, this is not for me. And she came and said, Pastor, this is not for me. And I said, shame on you. You failed. No, I didn't say that. I got your attention, though, didn't I? That's what we expect. 
Oh, I could never tell the pastor and the leadership team that I'm not cut out for this ministry. It's not working for me because they'll think I'm bailing on them and I'm, I'm, I'm terrible and I've failed. We didn't do that. We said, okay, you obviously had a passion for that. You want to serve people. That was her ministry gift, service. Let's, let's just put that ministry gift with another passion you have in serving. And that, that, that person stepped out of that ministry. Another well-equipped, gifted, godly person took over that ministry and that lady left the nursery ministry and started working in kitchen ministry, the hostess ministry. See, that's what we want people to do. We want, you, we want to put square pegs in square holes and round pegs in round holes. Some of you are frustrated in your Christian walk, trying to serve the Lord because you're doing something somebody told you you ought to do. And you're trying to be something you think you should be or you saw somebody else. Who, just be who God created you to be. Take that giftedness that God gifted you and just let it work together. We're going to help you discover that. I tell you, in my own, I was thinking through, I started sharing my whole personal testimony here, but I'm just going to give it to you in a nutshell. When I discovered my ministry gift, it liberated me in my Christian walk. When I discovered how God had gifted me, there was a freedom that came in serving and a joy. If you had asked me as a new believer, Kevin, would you like to teach and preach? I'd have said, no way, Jose. Not for me. But as I started to study and learn that God had gifted me, and then I attempted a couple of times to lead a devotional with a youth group, standing on the beach, and they didn't laugh at me, it felt like maybe this is what God's called me to do. And there is joy and fulfillment in doing what God has gifted me to do. If you're not joyful and fulfilled, you may just need to step back and say, okay, God, where should I be serving? Let her be. That's the next part here. We want to enlist every member to serve in a ministry. Enlist every member to serve in a ministry. Coastal Oaks has been a rare church over the years. More people involved in ministry than many churches I've been a part of. We did come to one place, though, a couple of years ago with our pumpkin patch ministry that we started over in the gym with about 100 kids, and it grew to around 3,000, and it got a little bit more than we could handle. And we, one of the evaluations, we, we had several things that led us to that conclusion that we needed to step back from that ministry. One was it wasn't safe anymore. Secondly, it wasn't accomplishing the purpose that we had created it for. And the last thing that really was the key is we didn't have enough people to staff it. And we were wearing our people out. You put a senior adult at a booth for three hours and tell them, play ring toss with the 500 kids, you wear them out. So we stepped back and we said, okay, we want to be more intentional about enlisting people to serve in ministry because that's what it's all about, serving every person with a place of ministry. Years ago, we were doing some study and read about a church that decided, instead of measuring effectiveness by the number of people who showed up, they said, let's measure effectiveness by the number of people involved in ministry. I like that. We want everybody to serve. We want to do that through the process of that last step. And then the last one, encouraging every member to complete the design for discipleship studies. DFD for short, Design for Discipleship. This is Navigator's material. These are small books. There are 36 lessons. It's going to be in a small group setting. We're going to ask people to make a commitment on the front end. I'm going to be there for the long haul, the 36-week study. We're going to ask people to count the cost. We're going to ask them to say, okay, look at this. You know what's involved. We've been talking about it for six months. When we kick it off, we're going to want people to be involved in that. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that everybody's going to sign up for that. 
But I want the ones God calls to that to be a part of that so that ultimately we can train some leaders who will train others and we can multiply our ministry through the Design for Discipleship series. So do you see the progression? We want to lead people to love God, to connect with others, and equip them to reach their world. That is our process. A while back, Kelly and I were doing one of our uh, trips to Corpus Christi just to get away, and uh, we went to Turner's Landscape Nursery there, and I kind of like those kind of places. Walk in, it's hot and muggy and humid outside, and you go in, and this feels good. They have these misters going, you know. It's cool and great climate, and over here they've got all these tropical plants that are flourishing, and they've got these beautiful plants over here, all this lush greenery and vine stuff growing over there, and all these watering systems and uh, all this overhead stuff that filters the light. You know, some is in bright sunlight and some is slightly filtered and other it's almost like shade. And I, just, I just marvel at that place. I just like to go walk around and look at all those cool plants and how well they grow and dream about. Could I take some home? And what would they do at my house? You know, Why, why do those plants grow the way they do there? Why are those flowers so pretty? Why do they call to you, come take me and plant me? Because that nursery has made an intentional effort to cultivate an environment that leads to growth of plants. That's why those plants grow the way they do. They've created an environment where plants can grow. What we're trying to do here at Coastal Oaks Church is be very intentional about creating an environment where disciples can grow. Where people can come to know Christ, they can be born into the kingdom, and as tender plants they can grow up to be fruitful vines. Where are you in that? I want to continue to encourage you to pray that as we unfold the rest of this study, that you would say, Lord, where do you want me? How can I be involved? Pray together.